So if you're paying a few dollars and having to wait 10 minutes, doing a Bitcoin payment was not actually very convenient, especially when the network is busy. So Lightning came around as a solution to that, allows people to make a Bitcoin payment and pay very little fee on the order of fractions of a cent or even sometimes nothing at all. Welcome to another episode of the Block Reward Podcast. Our guests this week are Cole Goodwin and Adam Saltis from Coinos. Coinos is a Vancouver-based company that helps merchants accept Bitcoin in their businesses using the Lightning Network. Lightning is a, is a payment settlement system that's being built on top of the base Bitcoin blockchain. It's ideal for businesses because the settlements are nearly instantaneous and cost almost nothing. So we're going to be talking a little bit about their adventures, helping businesses understand Lightning and building out a network of of companies that are using it, not just in Vancouver, but all over the world. And some of the innovation that's going on with Lightning. Lightning for me was a real sort of uh, light bulb moment for me in, in terms of understanding the, the scope and speed of innovation that's happening with Bitcoin. I first uh, got to meet these guys in the summer at a Bitcoin event in Calgary, where they were signing people up for Lightning wallets and, and just getting people to try out Lightning transactions. And uh, I think that un until you've seen a, a lightning transaction happen yourself, it's really hard to, uh, it's shocking, to be honest. So I hope you enjoy our, our conversation today. Lightning is one example of, of how Bitcoin sort of continues to evolve and uh, a little bit of an insight into all of the brain power that Bitcoin as a, as a system is magnetizing to it all over the world. It's, it's this kind of continuously evolving community-driven thing filled with people who are really just have a unified purpose to make this thing a global monetary system. So um, we're going to be talking all about that and, and a lot more. Here we go. All right. Welcome to another episode of the Block Reward podcast. Our guests today are uh, Cole Gidman and Adam Soltis from Coinos. And we're going to be talking about the Lightning Network uh, and uh all things lightning. Welcome, guys. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott, for having us. Right on. Maybe before we get started, uh, if you guys could just take a turn and give us each a quick introduction and tell us a little bit about yourselves and uh, how you became involved with Coinos. Yeah, I'll go first. Um, Adam Salties. I started Coinos back in 2012 as a hobby project to kind of just learn about Bitcoin myself a bit, play around with web development and started getting it out there to local merchants in Vancouver to get them to be able to take Bitcoin payments. So back then it was just a, a one-page app. It was like a simple widget that did the price calculation, Canadian dollars, and then let them put in their Bitcoin address that they wanted to receive funds into so they could use some other wallet. Coinos wasn't even its own wallet at that point. It was just a watch-only kind of widget that you would put your wallet address in. And then when you got a payment, it would tell you how much it was in dollars. Or you could request to receive a payment in dollars, and it would do that, uh, you know, exchange rate conversion to convert that to a Bitcoin amount. So that's how it started off. And uh, pr you know, prior to developing that, I was a developer working for the Canadian federal government doing IT. I've got a background in computer science, and when I discovered Bitcoin, I just kind of went down the rabbit hole reading all about it on the forums and it just clicked for me right away that it was going to be the new financial system. So I wanted to learn it and get it out to more people and I've been doing that ever since. Well, I, I definitely want to come back to that uh, that last point there, but uh, Nicole, t tell us a little bit about yourself before we do that. Yeah, so I've been in Bitcoin since 2015. My first Bitcoin I purchased was around the $350 or something along those lines. And then I got into mining a little bit later, and then I started investing heavier into it the more I believed in it. Of course, I thought it was a scam at first, like most people did, didn't trust it. And then I just kind of looked at it as an investment that would serve me better than the traditional finance sector. Eventually, that grew. My investments grew. My mining operation grew. And then I met Adam at a event in Vancouver, just like a, like a networking event, like a Bitcoin meetup, essentially one of Vancouver's Bitcoin meetups. Then we just we we hit it off, and we were bouncing ideas off each other. 
we started off um, talking about a plan for yeah me to approach businesses and stuff like that. One thing led to the other. We had like five or ten businesses in the first, or we had like five yeah five to ten businesses in the first like seven months, something like that. Then in the first year, we had either like forty. Now we have over three hundred and thirty. About two years later, a year and a half later, about a year and a half later, something like that. And we are just both, we both have the same goal. The same goal is to Bitcoinize as much as we can. And the most effective way for us to do that here in Vancouver is to Bitcoinize Vancouver as much as possible. And we're always open to other businesses in other countries, other cities. And that's why we do have, that's why we have businesses internationally as well, like 150 in Brazil, six in Miami. And uh, you know, long story short, we're both very passionate about the Lightning Network and expanding the Lightning Network to as many people and businesses as possible. Very cool. And uh, yeah, so I, I really want to dig deep into into Lightning for our listeners today. But before we do that, I want to uh, give you both a chance to answer this question that I ask every guest, which is, what is Bitcoin? Um, yeah, I'll take that. So Bitcoin is uh, digital cash. You can keep it in your wallet on your phone so you don't need a credit card or you don't need to carry around paper money. And you can go and spend it places that take Bitcoin. You can send it across the world to someone who's got a Bitcoin account in another country. It works everywhere in the world and it's totally free to send payments and it's secure if you keep your password secret and don't let anyone else know your password or your seed phrase or your private keys, then it's very difficult for anyone to take your Bitcoin. It's impossible to counterfeit Bitcoin and it's very scarce. So there's only 21 million Bitcoin that will ever be created. I think we're a little over 19 million already issued. So we're getting close, like we're up in the 90%. There's not that much more Bitcoin that's going to be issued. So it can't be inflated and stolen that way. It's even difficult to tax because it works so much like cash where it's uh, outside the purview of banks and regulators. They can't see into your Bitcoin wallet necessarily because it's more private. So it's got all these advantages as a money system to help fix the problems of you know the existing financial system. I, I heard this term recently for the first time that is user-centric monetary policy, uh, which is a, a way I, I've since like, I, I love using this term because I think it's, it's a great way to think about it. It's money that is sort of designed with uh, to be beneficial to those who use it instead of those who issue it which is uh, the way our money works now. Right. You guys, this is the first time we've ever tried to do this with two people back to back. I always sort of say Bitcoin is in the eye of the beholder and it is something different to everybody. So Cole, there's, there's no pressure here to have a different answer or the same, but uh, what's your take? Yeah, uh, what is Bitcoin? It is a, a digital asset. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's a digital asset that's decentralized. It's a cryptographic code, essentially a fingerprint so that's why Adam was saying it cannot be counterfeited. Because if I send you the source code of Bitcoin, you know that you're getting Bitcoin. Your Bitcoin wallet knows that you're getting Bitcoin, so it can't be counterfeited in that way. What's, what I've come to realize about Bitcoin is how decentralized it actually is, because it does not rely on one person controlling it. It relies on all of the nodes and miners around the world. Miners are a type of node. And the Bitcoin network relies on those, which is a bunch of people setting up machines or just running the Bitcoin program on their computer. And I like that. And that's why I really value proof of work. The, and proof of work is the algorithm type that Bitcoin uses. So, and what that means is that uh, Bitcoin is validated based on the amount of work that the miners are outputting the amount of electricity like you need a computer using electricity to support the bitcoin network and the more miners there are mining sha 256 on uh, yeah mining bitcoin on the sha 256 algorithm sha 256 the more hash rate 
the Bitcoin network has. So the more hash rate that the Bitcoin network has, it makes it more, it makes it stronger and harder to hack. It's virtually unhackable right now. You know, when Bitcoin was brand new in the first year of its existence, I don't know if I would have been able to say that, that it was virtually unhackable. But now since the hash rate is at all-time highs, and it's going to keep going to new all-time highs because the miners are still incentivized to mine by being given Bitcoin for running the miners, that means that Bitcoin's only going to get stronger. I, I can't guarantee anything in the future, but at the rate things are going, Bitcoin's network already is incredibly strong, and I see it getting a lot stronger using what I call for myself common sense just for myself based on my knowledge. It's gotten to a common sense kind of place for myself. And with these miners, they the re, what incentivizes me to mine, for example, is that I get given a slice of the block reward. And the block reward right now, 6.25 Bitcoin. And that 6.25 Bitcoin gets dispersed to all the miners in the world every 10 minutes. So I get a very small sliver of that Bitcoin block reward every 10 minutes. So Satoshi Nakamoto at the beginning created this, this amazing system where he wants to pay you and pay me to run mining machines. You could also run a Bitcoin mining node on your computer without needing the excess of electricity as well. And, you know, Bitcoin is, uh, it operates on the blockchain and the blockchain is a ledger, right? So, so all the Bitcoin transactions in history cannot be erased. So that's why some people say criminals are not very smart to use Bitcoin to hack people or to get that CIA or like if they're trying to uh, ransom money from people or whatever. They're not very smart to use Bitcoin, I don't think, because Bitcoin is trackable that way to catch criminals. It's a permanent record of everything that's ever happened. Permanent record of everything that happened. So that's why people say that the Federal Reserve hasn't... There's these funny memes going around. The Federal Reserve has not been audited, but Bitcoin has been audited every 10 minutes for... Its existence, 14 years, 13 years. By everyone who's involved. By everyone yeah. who's involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's as transparent as you could get. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. Uh, one of our recent guests, Michael Dunworth, was talking about how if Bitcoin, if all the Bitcoin miners were assembled into a single machine somewhere, it's like this is, would probably help people conceptualize how significant of a thing that has already been c- constructed. Like this... If it were to be a, a single machine, this it would be like the Borg cube, you know, like some kind of a, an unbelievable human achievement. But because of this distributing uh, distribution of where everything is, it's like it's a lot more abstract for people to understand exactly how much computing power is going into running this thing already, which is generating that hash rate that Cole is talking about. Very cool, man. Great points. Um, so you guys are involved with lightning and lightning is something entirely else. And so for people who are just trying to get into Bitcoin, um, lightning is, is kind of another layer of the rabbit hole. And maybe you guys could just take a stab to explain for our listeners what lightning is and where it fits into the Bitcoin ecosystem. Yeah. So lightning is, uh, a more recent development in Bitcoin. It's built on top of Bitcoin. It's another layer like you said you don't really need to understand how it works like if you get into the technical side of it and try to understand what lightning is doing under the hood and what happens when you send a lightning payment it is very complicated but the high level view is it allows bitcoin to be faster and cheaper than it would have been without lightning so in the first you know 10 years of bitcoin's existence from say 2009 to 2019 before lightning was really a thing bitcoin worked where you would send a transaction to someone's address and in order to do that the sender pays a transaction fee and they get to choose what that fee is the higher the fee, the more priority it has when the miners are looking at which transactions to process into the next block. 
So as Cole was saying, there's a blockchain ledger. Each block can hold about a thousand transactions, which isn't too many if you're looking at doing a money system for the whole world. And so if you wanted your transaction to be in the next block and there's, you know, tens of thousands of other people also trying to get a transaction through, the ones that pay the highest fee are prioritized. And this wasn't an issue in the first few years of Bitcoin because the blocks weren't being filled up. There weren't more than a thousand transactions every 10 minutes. But now that there are and there's more people using the network, it's become more expensive to get a transaction through. Right now, it's on the order of maybe a couple dollars that you would need to pay to get into the next block. But there were times even in 2017, 2018, where it would be like $10 or $20 to get your transaction through. And even if you get into the next block, that that next block can take five to 10 minutes on average. And that's just an average. It's not guaranteed to take 10 minutes. It could take 20 minutes. It could take up to an hour sometimes. So if you're paying a few dollars and having to wait 10 minutes, doing a Bitcoin payment was not actually very convenient, especially when the network is busy. So Lightning came around as a solution to that that allows people to make a Bitcoin payment and pay very little fee on the order of fractions of a cent or even sometimes nothing at all. Like it's totally free if you have a direct channel to the person you're paying. And the settlement time or the finality of that payment is instant. You know, for every lightning payment, it only takes a couple of milliseconds to reach the destination and be confirmed and spendable on the other side. So you're not waiting that five to 10 minutes for your payment to be settled for you to be able to spend it again. Yeah, it's really something that's amazing to witness firsthand when you see a lightning transaction take place. Like when when Adam says it's instant, it is literally instantaneous. So if you have two lightning wallets set on cell phones side by side and you send from one to the other, like as fast as you can avert your gaze from one phone to the other, the, the transaction's been completed. I love showing people your guys's wallet because this is how i often start to get skeptics like a little bit woken up to the serious nature and the level of development that's happening within bitcoin because i think that one of these really common refrains or when people are yeah bitcoin's never going to be that thing whatever that thing they think it is is they they the idea that it could never be a functioning money for everybody which uh when you see it working um it's it's pretty hard to argue obviously there's there's still things to be figured out but you guys were early adopters to bitcoin and you you are early adopters to lightning how did that evolve like how did you transition from uh early interest in bitcoin to really becoming leaders in in lightning adoption i guess it started with the uh the retail payments like when i was setting up businesses in vancouver we had restaurants and cafes back as early as 2013 and it all worked fine when they were taking payments and not waiting for settlement so because the network wasn't busy they could receive a transaction and even though it hadn't confirmed in the blockchain they could see that it was likely to confirm because the network wasn't busy So they were fine taking those payments. But as soon as the network sort of took off in 2017, 2018, and became really popular for a while, there was a big bull run that shot the price of Bitcoin way up to 20,000 for the first time. And after that, there was a huge influx of new users and people were doing lots more transactions and the network just got congested. So it became just infeasible to do these little payments for coffees and things at that time. So I was looking, I was thinking it was looking a bit gloomy there for a while. I was thinking Bitcoin isn't going to be the the payment system for the world. It might be a savings technology that, you know, maintains its value or the value continues to go up and it's inflation resistant and it's private, but it's not going to be used for everyday micro transactions like a Visa or MasterCard network. But then Lightning came around and I found it early on because I was following Bitcoin developments and, you know, keeping up to date on the forums and on Reddit and the mailing lists. And it sounded promising and it was promising. It turned out to work pretty well. So I adopted it as soon as it launched uh, in 2018. I incorporated it into CoinOS 
so that I could get back to having these uh, retail payments again. And without that, I probably would have been doing something different right now if we didn't have the Lightning Network. So that's, yeah, the story of how it all came about. Yeah, very cool. I, I think it's, and for, for the listeners, if we, if we didn't sort of expressly say this at the start, uh, really what you guys are doing is, is enabling merchants to participate in receiving Bitcoin from, from customers. Yeah, we're trying and, to get those in-person payments happening. So going into stores, brick and mortar, retail, and using Bitcoin in the real world, not just online on the internet. Yeah, and you, you, you're such an interesting duo because you're so different. I love it. And Cole, you're you're the guy who's kicking down doors and uh, talking to businesses about why they want to be accepting Lightning. Yeah. So, so what what usually happens when you go into some some unsuspecting business? They're busy selling muffins, and uh, and and then what? So, what I do is I go in there. I ask for the owner. And then when the owner comes up, I grab him by the neck and I say, you better accept Bitcoin or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Yeah, we just, we, we, uh, we you know, Adam has done some of it himself as well. Uh, we just, we, we, we try to target the, the businesses that are more uh, one-offs, that are not franchises, that are not chains. Uh, mom and pop style stores. Uh, so yeah, we walk in, I, I talk to the manager or whoever's working on shift. And I tell them that I work with a Bitcoin company. We help businesses accept Bitcoin as a payment option. We have over 300 businesses worldwide. I just, I tell them that stuff. And I tell them, especially lately, that we guarantee that you will get more sales. If you start accepting Bitcoin payments, we guarantee you that. So when you tell them that, their ears perk up. They're like, oh, okay, because what do store owners care about most? More sales, right? So you tell them those things. Tell them about our community and stuff like that that are, you know, we have a big community in Vancouver that all want to spend our Bitcoin. And then we, yeah, we get in contact um, and back and forth with emails and then it comes and then eventually they they come around and start to see the light i will go there in person multiple times as well and just kind of say hey how's it going lightly i'll i'll buy a coffee or i'll buy something there and say hey have you thought about it a little bit more try to stay a little bit light without being too pushy and just getting them to understand that they will get more sales in addition to the current clientele that they already have those kinds of points we'd like to touch on. And what, uh, so for, for the businesses that say yes, what does the startup, what does it look like for them to get up and running? So we we tell them that our service is free, no maintenance fees, no setup fees. We will give them a QR code, a printed QR code, and they will tape that QR code or a sticker of the QR code that we'll give them. We'll tape that on their cashier front desk or behind their payment yeah like they'll they'll tape it on their uh their table where they ex- where they take the payments from the customers and then we give them a printer a small printer it's like uh two inches by four inches something really small like that and when the customer scans oh there we go that's the printer right there adam has and we sell these printers on our online store by the way coinosmerch.com if anyone wants uh to look into it the printer the way we set it up for the merchant is that when a customer makes a payment by scanning the QR code that's taped on the on the table there, it, uh, immediately a receipt comes out from the printer that we give them. So the printer is directly connected to the merchant's CoinOS Bitcoin wallet. And then out comes a receipt that is perfectly itemized in SAPs and the Bitcoin and dollar amount. Um, and yeah, so we set them up with the printed QR code, uh, a printer and a CoinOS wallet. Um, and then we let them know, we give them my, my cards as well. My cards have the QR code for all of our social media links. We show the business owner where we're going to post their business online. Um, that would be the, in a nutshell, that'd be the process. Some businesses like restaurants that are using us, they have a tablet system already in place. So in those situations, they would just add CoinOS as a button on their tablet's home screen. 
Coinos is not a downloadable app from the App Store, which is what we like. Or no, sorry, we like it this way, that it's not like that. And it's a web app. It's a web app, so that way no one has to download anything. Safer for the user, easier for us as a business to make updates and according, uh, and you know, make updates accordingly. Because when we make updates, you as the user, you don't have to re-download anything or reinstall anything. The updates happen automatically. So that's how it's easy enough to just add a button on their home screen of their tablets that they are currently using. For like restaurants where waitresses are walking around with their tablets to the customers. So those are some other options. We're also um, integrated with Shopify. There's multiple businesses using us for their Shopify store because CoinOS has, we have a Bitcoin Bitcoin wallet plugin with Shopify now. The, The button to integrate with Shopify is on, is in our app itself. The button to, yeah, until they were Shopify. That's really cool. So what are the kinds of, uh, what are the kinds of objections or hesitations you get from businesses once they've kind of understood what you guys are offering? Uh, generally, I mean, Adam, yeah, Adam, you can answer some of your experiences. Uh, often they'll ask about how do they get the money into their bank account? And they'll <laughs> be like, well, you don't need to move it into your bank account. You already have an account with Bitcoin in it and Bitcoin is money. So you don't need to convert it to fiat. Um, that's something that comes up often. Uh, like they'll think that we're an exchange and we're going to convert the Bitcoin they receive into dollars for them. That's something we don't do. Uh, we, we occasionally will refer them to other services if they really need to get the dollars. But most of the merchants that we sign up, we end up convincing them to just hang on to the Bitcoin for a while, keep it in Bitcoin. And uh, if they really need the cash flow, we'll tell them, you know, ask your suppliers to get an account or ask your staff if they'll take some of their wages in Bitcoin rather than converting it to, to fiat dollars, um, try to spend it directly. And another thing we'll mention is, what, you know, Cole mentioned, we post them on social media and promote the business and Telegram and Twitter and all that. But we also will put them on a map on uh, btcmap.org and a map on our website on CoinOS so that when people are going to look for places to spend Bitcoin, they'll see the business there and they can find all the businesses in the world that are taking Bitcoin payments. So it's a good way to you know drive Bitcoiners to find these businesses where they can pay Bitcoin. But it's also a place where merchants who have received some Bitcoin and now they have their first Bitcoin can go and find other places to spend it. So if they pay themselves in Bitcoin um, from the company, you know, treasury or whatever, they, the owner can take a dividend or <laughs> take a wage from that Bitcoin earning and go out and spend it on whatever they want. So spend it at other restaurants or cafes or get a haircut or whatever they need to do. So that's what we're trying to encourage is the circular Bitcoin economy. So people don't need to always cash out to use the Bitcoin that they receive. Yeah, there's a kind of an ongoing debate in the Bitcoin community about how important spending Bitcoin is and whether or not just, or for example, if you're just, if you're holding Bitcoin, if that is in itself like contributing to to doing anything. And I would say there's there's kind of a, a mixed mixed opinions about these kinds of things but uh i think that fr- from a business perspective certainly receiving payment is a great way in and we, we talked about this in one of the recent episodes of josh friedman about how businesses not only uh have access to new kinds of customers but you're also um earning bitcoin like this is a great way for you to acquire bitcoin at a at a market discount rate, probably, rather than what you would have to pay to buy it through an exchange, for an example. Yeah, the business owners get access to cheaper Bitcoin, and it's no KYC. They're not having to sign up and provide all their identifying information to sign up at an exchange. So the only other way to get no KYC Bitcoin is usually through a either a cash deal where you meet up with some stranger and, and pay them in cash or something, which is a little risky, or you go to an ATM machine. And those tend to have really high spreads. You're paying 10 to 15% over the market price to get your Bitcoin that way. So this is a much cheaper way to get 
non-KYC Bitcoin as a merchant. Actually, I think that might be the first time that term has come up in the pod so far. KYC, know your client. So this is a good good point to just stop on for a second. Um, a lot of Bitcoiners want to own Bitcoin without necessarily having the world know that they own it. And uh, typically when you go through a regulated access point, Canada for sure, uh, that's going to involve records of uh, who you are, um, how much money you put in, how much Bitcoin you bought. And uh, that it's just kind of a part of the way things go. Once, uh, I think what once Adam, Adam mentioned, once, once, it, once it is Bitcoin, it is at that point difficult to track. Not impossible, but difficult. And it, but it, it's very simple to track uh, the, it, the on and off ramps of when money is being converted between dollars and Bitcoin. I guess another um, point of concern that comes up from the merchants is uh, the volatility of Bitcoin. So they'll be like, well, I don't want to keep it in Bitcoin because it's going to go down potentially. And I don't want to lose out. You know, I'm going to need that cash flow at some point. But, um, you know, after, after uh, it depends on the timing, but, you know, the last year or so, all the merchants that have held on to Bitcoin are sitting pretty right now because their money is pretty much doubled. Um, but, you know, there was a time if they bought at the peak of 2021, then, or not bought, but if they'd received Bitcoin, then it, it would be down right now. So um, you just kind of have to zoom out and look at the, the long-term chart and say, well, yeah, if you need the cash flow within the next three months and you're not willing to take the risk of it swinging up and down, and yeah, maybe you need to, you do need to cash it out right away or spend it right away. But uh, you know they're not doing a ton of volume either. There's not like that many Bitcoin customers coming in every day to most of these places. So it is just you know a smaller percentage of their total overall sales. Still, we're hoping to change that, but it's, it's we're not there yet. But uh, it is just you know they're doing a few thousand dollars, some of them, and uh, most of them are able to get by just, you know, setting that aside for now and taking a, a gamble on it, so to speak. So it's working out for them so far. And the, the more that it goes up and, you know, the price increases rather than decreases for them, then that's going to convert them to be more hardcore, staunch Bitcoiners where they're going to start to think about moving more money into it. They're going to move their savings into it. And they're going to tell other business owners that this is something you should get into because it's a way to make money on the money that you've received. Instead of losing money on the money exactly, you've received. Exactly, yeah. You're not losing it yeah. to inflation and taxation as much. I but, but keep in mind, you only lose when you sell. When you sell low, right? Yeah, yeah it's funny. I, I, I've, I rent. I've been renting uh, for about a year now. And um, I at the time, I, I'm renting from a friend and I offered to her, uh, you know, would you like to receive the receive the rent in Bitcoin? And, uh, you know, it was a hard no at the time, but it, you know, if she'd have said yes, she'd, she'd have been, she'd have been up sort of 50% or more just on the rent dollar costing average as Bitcoin's basically double in price during that time, but in a non-linear way. So, uh, yeah. Um, so you guys are, uh, orange pilling businesses all over the world. You mentioned Brazil. Uh, how, how did that happen? You have all of a sudden like hundreds of businesses halfway across the world yeah yeah they've known um yeah adam you might want to add that because you've been in contact with um the lead organizer of that organization for some years now right the lead organizer of that community right there's a group or project in a town in brazil called bitcoin aqui and they're just a couple of bitcoiners as well they found coinos and they like the interface they found it really easy to use and they like the fact that it's web-based, so you don't need to install an app or get any kind of tablet or device to use it. It just works on your phone that you have already. And everyone in Brazil is already accustomed to just using their phones to receive payments. So, I mean, a lot of merchants here, they push back on that a little bit. If they're expecting to have some sort of special Moneris terminal or device that they're going to have to pay to accept a new payment method. But down there, it, it's second nature to them. They're already using their phones and they're comfortable with staff just using a phone to accept a payment. They don't need like a dedicated device or anything. So they just set up 
uh, CoinOS accounts for a ton of businesses down there. I guess I think they're over 200 or maybe more than that now. Um, hospitals, pharmacies, butchers, bakers, every kind of business that's in this little town. They just went and set them all up with Bitcoin accounts and gave them stickers. And they're, yeah, they're way ahead of us in developing that circular economy. They've got more businesses, more different uh, variety of businesses. And there's more people just using the wallet day to day to do their transactions, which is really awesome. That's so cool. Have either of you guys been down there? No, I'd love to go one day. I haven't been yet. On, on my to-do list. Yeah. I was like, do they get a pair of shoes? Like is every business uh, for the listeners, inside your guys' merch store, you sell lots of stuff. And one of the things you guys sell is Bitcoin shoes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The shoes are, are popular. Yeah. They go like hotcakes. Yeah. We just got our a new stock. Uh, we have in person now, right? But people can still buy them online. Yeah. They're, they're good. They're durable, too. How did the shoes come about? Well, I, I, I just kind of had the idea of getting them, of, of getting shoes. Why not? I was like, I was like, man, that'd be kind of cool. Not many people are, are are making Bitcoin shoes. So why don't uh, why don't we be one of the first people to do it? Right. And um, started kind of tinkering around with the design. We can make them custom for people, too. As well. So the ones in the store, I, I can customize it for people as well. Yeah, so they just came about with us just adding a cool factor to our business, uh, something different, trying to be a little bit different than competitors. <laughs> yeah, they're great. They're great. <laughs> and and see, so you guys were you're mentioning uh, your mission of sort of uh, orangifying all of Vancouver. Vancouver seems to have a really great Bitcoin community. Um, how would you say it's going? I'd, I'd say it was going really good. Yeah. Yeah, we probably got one of the best communities in North America. We're not as good as Rolante Brazil yet, but um, for, you know, compared to other major hubs like New York and LA and um, Chicago and all these Canadian cities, Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver's, I think, you know, out ahead of the pack right now. So we have uh, a really strong meetup group here, multiple meetup groups. We do a lot of events. Uh, Cole and I just finished hosting Bitcoin and Coffee, which we do every Monday morning. It's a casual meetup for people to just come and chat about Bitcoin and drink coffee. And we go to some of the cafes that take Bitcoin payments. Um, we've had like some larger events. We had a block party in September that was really well attended. Probably over 300 people coming out and a bunch of vendors and merchants showing off their stuff and selling it for Bitcoin and people doing talks and tutorials and I don't know. Yeah. There's just a, a really strong contingent of Bitcoiners here that are willing to go out and spend their Bitcoin at the merchants and promote it. And we're all trying to, uh, you know, spread that adoption as much as we can. So it's going pretty well so far. For sure. I think, you know, one of the things that I run into in Canada a lot and Alex Gladstein, who's a famous Bitcoiner uh, has sort of coined the term financial privilege. And it's like, Westerners oftentimes have a difficulty to, you know, uh, uh, imagine the adoption of Bitcoin on a widespread scale because our money just works better than money works in most of the rest of the world. So just in talking through it, it's not a surprise to me at all that uh, somewhere like Brazil would be, uh, of course, this is where people are going to be more adaptive and um, more resourceful in terms of finding something that's going to work for them better than their own money, which, you know, uh, you know, inflation has been painful in Canada uh, and North America for the, for the last forever, but nothing like people who will wake up the next day and have their money be worth 90% less than it was when they went to bed, which is, uh, which is a reality for a lot of people all over the world. And um, so uh, building the urgency for spending Bitcoin in places where the money has, has been more reliable uh, I, I can see that being a challenge as well. Yeah, like most people here, they're they're used to tapping their card and it works for them. Consumers don't think about the fact that merchants are paying two or three percent to take those card payments. They they think about the one percent cash back they're going to get. But um, you know that that cost of to the merchant for taking all those card payments forces them to raise their prices uh, 2 or 3% to cover that cost. So 
really everything is a little bit higher across the board. <laughs> and if we all use Bitcoin, we'd be better off. But um, yeah, people just don't really think about it too much here. Things work well enough for them. They haven't had inflation. They haven't had their bank accounts frozen or seized, unless there's the few people supporting the trucker convoy. <laughs> but uh, for the most part, people here have had a stable banking system and, and currency for many, many years. So they're not as inclined to try something new or even think about the need to try something new. But, you know, that may change in the next few years as the dollar keeps inflating and banks keep doing their thing. So we may see a, an influx of people sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I always, you know, it's uh, further inflation is 100% certain. So this is a great time to be listening and learning about Bitcoin because um, what may fluctuate is the rate at which the money has to inflate and prices will go up. But whether or not it's going to happen is not a maybe. It's it's definitely going to be a problem and a problem that likely continues to get worse. I'd love to just come back to you for a second on that because you mentioned something about uh, the embedded fees that that uh, credit card companies charge. And so when you when you're talking to merchants about that particular aspect of basically zero fee transacting on Lightning, um, is is that is that something that like to me that would be a real light bulb moment for anybody who's who's uh, you know every single percent totally matters right now. Yeah, you'd think it would be like a game changer for them, but because they don't get many people coming in to ask if they can pay with Bitcoin. They assume there's not going to be much traffic. They don't know about our community. So they think it's a niche thing that they're only going to do one or two transactions and it's not really going to be worth it to spend the time to figure out this new system. So leading with that point about just saving the couple of percent on transactions isn't that strong of a, a motivator for them. It's more... Uh, like Cole was saying, telling them about the the new sales that they're going to get, that there is a community that's going to come and support them and spend their sats at their business, and we're going to promote them and market them. Um, that's more uh, of a selling point to to get them to give it a try versus just saving on the fees. Because, yeah, if they were doing all of their sales in Bitcoin, then it does add up for restaurants and things that are operating on small margins and that 2 or 3% is out of their profits. And that's a huge kind of expense for all these businesses. But until there's a majority or at least a lot more people using Bitcoin rather than card payments, they're still going to have to you know, accept card from the majority of their customers anyways, even if they also accept Bitcoin. So it's not going to move the needle for them yet until, you know, our community and our Bitcoin consumer force is a lot bigger and stronger than it is right now. Mm -hmm. Is there a resource, like for, if people are listening and they're just curious to learn more about Lightning and, and how it works, like is there somewhere that you guys might point people a direction for like for education specifically about the lightning network and on our home on our website we do have like a small explanation on on the lightning network um but we we will if people ask us for general information about the lightning network we will answer like a paragraph to them in whatever chat channel they're asking us on and we would also give them other resources we do have multiple how-to videos, like how to use our wallet and stuff like that. Yeah, I'll give a shout out to um, Lightning Labs. They have uh, lightning.engineering is a website and they've got really good documentation and they do deep dives into the technical side of Lightning. So if you really want to go deep on it and learn how it works, that's a good resource. And also uh, Ben Sessions, he's a Calgarian Calgary-based Bitcoiner who's got a YouTube channel. He's um, put out a lot of reviews of Lightning wallets and different resources to check out. So some of that one. Yeah, I think it's 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 another really um, uh, something when when people first start exploring Bitcoin and learning about Bitcoin to see the level of innovation that's happening at a global scale. That's really just community driven. So it, it's people like like you guys who are uh, want to get involved and have the skills and know how and there, there aren't there aren't really like 
barriers of entry to to becoming involved in Bitcoin uh, other than learning the skills that it would take to to start playing with the tools, right? One more thing I'll mention is uh, uh, there's a local Vancouver Bitcoiner, Leo, who runs a lightning workshop. So it's like a eight-week sort of boot camp or tutorial series that he's put together to teach people how to run their own lightning nodes. So if you actually want to run the lightning network on your laptop or on a Raspberry Pi or an old computer or something, um, you can reach out and he'll set you up with everything you need to get started with that. Maybe I'll uh, try to find the webpage for that so I can link it in the show notes later. And so why would someone want to run a lightning node? Um, That's if you're really, you know, keen on taking sovereignty of, of your Bitcoin payments um, and you want to go deeper on the technical side and you're willing to spend the time to actually figure out how to install the software and set it up and open channels and uh, do all that. So it's kind of satisfying in the end. If you, if you are running your own node, then you know that you're not uh, relying on any third party like us <laughs> in this case to uh, be your payment provider. You're like... Um, you're in control of your money entirely and there's no one that can, you know, censor you or freeze your payments or anything like that. But what we provide is uh, an easy on-ramp for people who don't want to go through that process to get started with Lightning and start, you know, getting a feel for it, send their first payments and, uh, you know, benefit from the fact that it's instantaneous and free payments without having to go through all the technical um, setup and all that to run your own node. But that is something we encourage people to do once they're ready to you know, spend that time commitment to figure out how to do that. And for if there, if there are business owners that are, are listening right now and they want to move forward and, and get in touch with you guys to do this, uh, how do they do it? They can reach out to us uh, through email, which is, it would be cole at coinos.io or adam at coinos.io. Uh, they could also reach out, reach out to us on our Telegram channel, our Telegram uh, group chat that we have there. And all of our links on our social media is also at the bottom of our homepage. Our homepage, coinos.io. You just scroll to the bottom and our link tree is there with all of our links. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Telegram. Um, so you guys, you know, I, I was fine too with, with Bitcoin stuff. It's like um, Bitcoin people have one way of talking to each other and then kind of another way that they have to talk, talk to outsider people who are less familiar with the content and the ideas. Um, imagining you guys are, are lightning bulls. Like if you could, if you could give your own take on uh, where you think the Lightning Network is going, or where it might be in five or ten years, you guys are the experts. Like, wh- where do you think Lightning is going uh, and going to be? Yeah, I think um, I, I think it's growing at an exponential rate based on the Lightning capacity. You can check the Lightning, the overall Lightning Network capacity. It is also uh, pretty much an all-time high right now. If you look at the graph, it's up and to the right. Or, or my, my camera's weird, sorry. It's it's up and to the right, the, the Lightning uh, Network capacity, which is a good sign. That means it's able to handle more and more. The Lightning Network, when people understand the data of the Lightning Network, they jump on board. So it's just all about the right people coming in contact with Lightning, people with very big followings on the internet. It's just a matter of time. There's already a lot of big people who know about the Lightning Network and how it can handle a million transactions a second or more. There's not really a limit, just the way the Lightning Network works because the Lightning Network is not on the blockchain, essentially. That's part of how uh, we're able to transact Bitcoin on the Lightning Network instantly for virtually no fees, right? The the Lightning Network routing fee is is very low. And when you go from Coinos to Coinos, for example, there's zero fees. And when I go from Coinos to a different Lightning wallet, there's a Lightning route, a Lightning routing fee, which is very, very low. And 
when people see, when they compare the Lightning Network, just the Bitcoin itself, or when they compare it to Visa and MasterCard, you know, Visa and MasterCard processes about 1,700 transactions a second. Lightning Network doesn't really have a limit. Um, so I, I think uh, it's just up into the middle. And basically, like I, I don't really see much that can stop the Lightning Network. The Lightning Network is on the new side, I would say. But uh, as long as we just continue doing what we're doing and spreading the word to as many people as possible, getting it in front of the, the right people, it's just a matter of time before it gets as popular as Bitcoin only itself. Yeah, I think it'll sort of depend on how quickly the existing system collapses. I mean, I've been thinking it's going to collapse for the last decade and it hasn't yet, but it could be any day. It could be a couple of years. I don't know. But um, if you get that intersection of Bitcoin, you know, continuing to improve and get easier for people and more people learning about how to use it and the wallets get better and the network grows. And then also on the other side, you have the dollar just getting worse and more inflated and <laughs> more uh, censored and controlled and restricted and CBDCs come out, then that's going to push more and more people you know, into freedom money or Bitcoin. And, you know, so you have it from both sides. Bitcoin is improving and getting better every day, faster and cheaper and easier to use. And the dollar is getting worse and more controlled and, you know, inflated into oblivion. So there's going to come a day when all the, you know, the government currencies of the world collapse around the, you know, all across the board, US dollar, Canadian, Australian, British pound, the Japanese yen, the Chinese yuan, they're all going to zero. And Bitcoin is going to emerge from the ashes of all that as the only currency that people are going to want to use. So at that point, the Lightning Network is going to be a very big factor in the way that people transact and do their payments day to day. It's going to be worldwide, global. Everyone will be using it. It's a it's a common argument against Bitcoin that because it hasn't already replaced all the other monies, that's the reason why it's never going to. And it's like this is a this is maybe the biggest change or undertaking humanity is ever, you know, have gonna have to go through. So it's not going to be overnight. And even if it could be, we wouldn't want it to be because that would be probably so disruptive and chaotic that it would be very stressful. Uh, but the the level of innovation and the pace of adoption, all these things, if you really dig into it, is uh, it's happening in real time. It's just going to take more than a couple of days. Is, is the Lightning Network ready uh, in its current state to to be that thing? Or what 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 kind of needs to happen from an innovation standpoint from here? I think it could use a couple more years of slow and steady growth rather than, like you were saying, a, a sudden influx. So I'm hoping that the, the fiat collapse takes its time a little bit longer and we have a bit more time to scale things out and get, get ready for you know 7 billion Bitcoin users. I think if it happened overnight, um, it, it would crash and burn. Right now, we're not ready. but. Uh, there's smart people working on that and a lot of bitcoiners you know that that's what they're doing is is getting ready for that eventuality and trying to get the code in place and the systems in place to handle that level of scale so um yeah it's coming but uh it's it's not quite ready right now yeah hopefully uh there there is some time we're we're in the test phase of uh or the the transition phase we'll say that uh, Cole, before, before we take off, I, I want to, uh, talk a little bit about some of these street videos you're doing, talking to people about Bitcoin, uh, in, in everyday life. How did that start? Yeah. So, um, I just had an idea that I wanted to do that. And I was like, Hey, this is like, why don't, why don't we do something like that? It'd be kind of fun because I like to think that I know enough about it that I'd be able to answer pretty much any skeptic, any like complaint they have against Bitcoin. And I, wanted to turn it into something entertaining. So then I started talking to um, this BitcoinNews.com. Uh, I've been in contact with them for like a couple of years now. And we uh, were just on the street and they decided, they said, hey, why don't we like do some work together? Why don't you do some interviews? And then we, yeah, we one thing led to the other. We just, just started, uh, I, I have a camera, I have a mic and stuff like that. So I was like, why don't we just, why don't we walk 
why don't we start on the go ladder and and just give it a shot and see what happens and we're just happy with the with the results now so um it's great yeah of course we we share it amongst the bitcoin community in vancouver and i'm out and about in vancouver uh at, at nighttime sometimes uh with it so what's the funniest thing that's happened as you randomly approach strangers and ask them about Bitcoin? Uh, <laughs> well, there's some stuff that we don't uh, post publicly online because sometimes it can get a little bit uh, yeah, inappropriate, actually. So there's there's a bunch of there's some things that have happened that we can't post online. So we'll be like talking in a group of people, talking with a group of people, and then we'll get like threats from people like walking by and then the threats from those people start to generate threats from the group of people that were that i'm interviewing and then it becomes this like really and and, and it's, it's at nighttime on gravel street where people are a little bit inebriated people have had a few beers and it can get kind of kind of rowdy sometimes right um i i find it uh ends up like i'm okay i'm comfortable with it but but sometimes it can get like really heated with jelly, like swear words at, at each other, almost getting invited, like just because it's it's like that. You got a group of people walking down the street, another group of people that are a lot of really confident because they're with a group of their friends, so they they feel like they're high high chested and stuff like that. So um, stuff like that happens. Uh, some other funny stuff that we did post online was this one guy was saying uh, uh, I was telling him how bad inflation was, right? This is one of our more recent videos, and he's he believes inflation is at the number that we are being told. Like he believes that inflation is like four percent, five percent, six percent, right? So I, I'm like, sorry, man, <laughs> sorry to burst your bubble, but inflation is is way worse than that with a bunch of things. And then, and then he's, he's like, he's like, I'm an academic, man. I'm an academic. Show me some anecdotal is like show me some evidence show me some evidence and i said yeah my evidence is my eyes like i, I look around at the grocery store and some things are 50 percent more expensive or you know for 30 to 50 percent more expensive than just a year ago a year and a half ago right and there's a bunch of stuff like that in the world that is exponentially growing so much faster than five percent a year right and uh, we got into a heated argument about that. And, and, and in the video editing, we put like an academic cartoon hat on his head right after he said that I'm an academic. <laughs> like, because we talk to a lot of, uh, I, I get in contact with some like college kids. Like, Cause at nighttime out and about on gravel street in Vancouver, there's a lot of, uh, you know, young 20 year olds that are out and about and stuff like that. They're in university. They think they know everything. So I love talking to people who think they know everything. And they think Bitcoin's a scam. Some people say one funny thing a guy said was, uh, um, he's like, well, I don't trust Bitcoin because I can't see or touch it. And then I said, well, yeah, what about your bank account? It's the same thing. You can't see or touch it. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Because he started to think a little bit about it. And what he's, he might say, oh, well, uh, I can see it on a computer screen. Like, yeah, yeah, it's the same with Bitcoin. You can see your Bitcoin on a computer screen. But you can't like pick it like out of the air, just like your bank account. Your bank account's the same thing. Your RBC bank account is the same thing as Bitcoin in that way. So though those are some pretty funny things. Yeah. Yeah. Some other and then we can talk like when I see you in person, I can tell you some other stories uh that are pretty funny too. That are in a remind remind me to ask. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. Cool. Yeah, for for anybody who who does think uh, inflation is uh, reported at four percent or whatever it is, it, it is as long as you remove all of the essential things that you need to live: food, shelter, electricity, gasoline. No, no problem. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's funny. Cool. Uh, well, maybe we'll wrap here. Thank you guys so much for coming on. I love what you're doing. Um, I would really encourage for anyone who's listened today to go to coin it's coinos.io and check out download the the wallet and and even just put some money in and play around with it and uh like I said for me uh it was actually with these guys using the 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 lightning wallet was my first experience with lightning and it was a real sort of watershed moment in my understanding of the, the what is happening on this network and like I said People all over the world are using it just because it's not happening with your friends or, or in your neighborhood today. It's really not a reason to dismiss uh, the, the level of innovation and, uh, and, and adoption that's going on where you can't see it. So you guys are doing Satoshi's work. Uh, Satoshi's work. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Pleasure. Thanks, Scott, for your time. 
Appreciate it, man. All right. Well, uh, we'll see you guys again soon. Hope so. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Block Reward. We're trying to do something different here, creating accessible conversations meant for people who aren't obsessed with Bitcoin. If you found this episode informative and engaging, hit that subscribe button to make sure you stay updated with future episodes. Your feedback matters. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to share your reviews and help us with our goal of creating Bitcoin content that is simple and easy to understand. Bitcoin has an important role to play in the future of finance. It will change the way we save, spend, and invest. Discover why Bitcoin offers a game-changing opportunity for forward-thinking employers by visiting blockrewards.ca. BlockRewards' mission is helping Canadian employers implement strategies for integrating Bitcoin into compensation and benefits. Supercharge your recruitment and retention strategies and help your team members plan for the rising cost of living by rewarding their work with the hardest money ever invented. Special thanks to our top sponsor, Paramount Employee Benefits Consulting, Canada's only Bitcoin Forward Benefits and Pension Advisory. For more information, find them at paramountbenefits.ca. Big shout out to Podigy, our production team that makes all this possible, and BMX Escape for producing our music. Bitcoin is an expansive and dense topic many people walk away from early. To Bitcoin enthusiasts looking for that podcast they can share with friends, family, and colleagues, one they'll actually listen to, we hope that is us. The content of these conversations is meant to be provided for information purposes only. Nothing here is investment advice. Bitcoin is a big topic. Be sure to do your own research before making any personal financial decisions. Thanks for listening. 